0: After a long and varied career in theatre and television, Lynn McGranger is now the longest serving female cast member of a television soap opera in Australia, having starred as Irene Roberts on Home and Away for over 28 years. Today, I'm talking to Lynn McGranger about her memoir, Acting Up Me, Myself, and Irene. Lynn, welcome to the Good Reading Podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Greg.
0: The first thing that strikes me about acting up is what a full and joyous life you've led it reads like the life of a born stand-up comedian so I kind of thought why not a career in stand-up rather than acting
1: well you know I I did as I say in the book I I did try my hand at that and um, I enjoyed it and I'm really pleased I did it but you know it's a bit like doing Dancing with the Stars or jumping out of a plane you do it once you don't have to prove anything you don't have to do it again it's terrifying on so many levels and you doubt yourself all the time and to be honest Greg I don't mind being taken out of my comfort zone but then I like to jump back into my comfort zone very quickly it's just um it's really hard work and you have to be made of a certain substance to do it all the time and to look in acting people either love you or they hate you i guess when you've been on a show for nearly 29 years you're going to fall into that category nobody's really grey about you they either love what you do or they can't stand you and we just we love to be able to say about somebody i can't stand that person i can't stand that actor or whatever but it's comfortable and i and i love it and i feel very at home there Stand-up comedy, oh, my God, terrifying. And I'm glad I did it, as I said, but I really could never do it as a a full-time gig. Look, maybe when I get older and a bit battier, maybe (laughs) when I start to really lose my marbles, I might just, and, and don't give a rat's about what anyone thinks, then I might go back to it. But, uh, yeah, like I say, jump, like jumping out of a plane, done it once, I haven't. But one, when one does it once, one doesn't have to do it again.
0: You say in Acting Up that from a very young age you could, and I quote here, lie like a chop in gravy.
1: Yes.
0: But somewhere along the line, after you joined the drama club at Teachers College and then began teaching year four at Lugano Public School, which in itself sounds terrifying, <laughs> you realised that lying is not acting. But I wondered, was teaching like acting?
1: Teaching is a bit like acting, except for all the red tape that goes with it and, you know, the fact that you're working for a government department and... There's certain things you can and can't do. It is a captive audience, and I think that's why I was attracted to it initially. I thought, yeah, you know, 30-odd kids loving me, really into me, listening, laughing, you know. (laughs) It's not like that at all. Believe me, (laughs) it's not like that at all. And I found that out real quick. I think I actually say in the book I was more intent on the kids liking me than I was on actually controlling them and imparting knowledge. And it just really quickly, it became a hard slog.
0: There's some funny moments there too, where uh, I think you would tell one of the kids to go and ask Mrs. So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so about their ACDC tattoo. (laughs) And (coughs) then they'd come back with something far worse.
1: (laughs) They would. And that is a real, look, everything in that, in it is true, my friend Lynn Matthews, Lynn with one N, um, used to. We, you know, back in the days when you could smoke in the playground, they must have initially like twigged that we were a little nuts. So they would kind of hover around, and we'd always do stuff like that. Go and ask Mrs. Matthews to show. Because back in those days, in the seventies, tattoos were like, oh my God, you know, you got a tattoo if you were a biker or you're a you know, a lady of the night, or or something like that. But you know, because these days tattoos are like, you know, common. Well,
0: you've got to have one now, don't
1: you? Well, I've got two. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Not ACDC. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
0: what about the ABBA underpants?
1: Oh, yeah. She would just make up things. You know. yeah, yeah, Get it. Get Miss uh, Miss McGrane to show you her ABBA underpants, and then you'd have to come up with one better. Oh, I get. Get Mrs. Matthews to show you her secret piercing. And
0: (laughs) (laughs) it all sounds like a wonderful education uh, in the playground.
1: It would possibly or not. I don't know if there's children out there or, well, obviously, you know, adults now who are are still in therapy over our teaching methods. (laughs) But when I look back, I mean, the principal used to smoke I think there's a photo in the book where I'm with the netball team and the principal's there, and we've both got our hands behind our back. And I thought we probably got a cigarette in our hands. It was just outrageous, you know. But that was our life back then, and you know it was no different in the school playground.
0: That move away from the security and I guess the regular pay packet of a school teacher into the far less secure world of acting was that nerve wracking. Like getting out of jail or this sort of thrilling leap into the unknown?
1: Look, you know what? It was a gradual process in that I left full-time teaching. I went into, and I think I talk about this in the book, went into part-time teaching, and I was doing that while I was at drama school, even though I'd already worked professionally at The Q, and I'd got myself an agent, and I just thought, you know what, I just want to be nice to know ballpark what I was doing, you know, just in terms of, of what this acting's about. Um, I'd always been a natural performer, but I, I guess I just thought, you know, I'll, I'll go to drama school part-time. That was all very comfortable. The Q Theatre was sort of my home. I'll, I'll, I'll teach part-time. And then gradually the teaching became a real effort. I got to a stage where the phone would ring at quarter past seven, would um, lift up the phone and put it straight back down again because I knew who it was and I didn't want to go in there anymore. I must have been collecting the doll at the same time. I didn't need a lot of money. My drama school and my drama friends it just took up all my time. Rent was, I guess, not very much back then. I just didn't need a lot of money and that wasn't my focus. So gradually, in answer to your original question, this teaching faded out naturally and the, the drama took over and then next minute I'm getting paid to do something that I just, I, I couldn't believe it, I couldn't believe it. And then, of course, after the cute theatre, I spent a year doing bits and pieces, learning to tap dance, learning to, um, you know, do point work and, you know, crazy stuff like that. And then, of course, I got the job down in Albury-Wodonga with the Murray River Performing Group.
0: I didn't want this chat to be too much about Home and Away because I felt that Acting Up was about Lynn McGranger, mm. but it does prompt the question, the fact that you answered both Irene and Lynn, do you ever feel that Lynn McGranger gets lost in the character of Irene Roberts and how do you deal with that?
1: This is always my answer to a similar question is that you are the only tool that you've got. You have varying degrees of yourself. You know, you have the, the really kind of earthy degree of yourself, or you have the, you know, maybe slightly more refined part of yourself. And I think Irene leans towards the earthy, most definitely. I think she um, is probably a bit more Australian. And I am, I'm pretty damn Australian. But she, I think, you know, Irene's very broad. She's got a very recognisable voice anyway, but she calls a spade a front-end loader and she's not afraid to call it as she sees it. I actually love that side of her and I wish that Lynn had a bit more of that in her. Lynn's a bit more, mm, I like to keep the peace. I don't want to, again, that people-pleasing thing that I'm always striving to overcome. But um, I think... Yes, the characters do get muddy and yes, Irene's quirky turns of phrase have come from Lynn, which have in turn come from my parents, my mother in particular. And um, so, yeah, there are things that I say and do where people go, oh, my gosh, that is that is so Irene. But then there's other things that Irene will do where people go, mm, Lynn's creeping in, you know. So, of course, after nearly 30 years, it does get quite muddy. But... I I don't have a problem with leaving Irene at at the office. I can do that quite easily, no matter what she's going through.
0: In such a big and public career, particularly since Home and Away, is it even possible to ask you about a single highlight, a big moment, a seminal moment, even a small moment that continues to resonate with you in your life in general?
1: I think that's pretty easy, Greg. Um, uh, My daughter, the birth of our daughter, without a doubt. I mean, it changed our lives so dramatically. We were never having children. I didn't want kids. Hell, I would taught them. I hated them. (laughs) I just couldn't deal. I I was never particularly maternal. All my friends weren't getting married and having babies. I was like, "Mm -hmm." no. But then, you know, Paul got a little bit clucky and and I went, well, gee, you know, times are ticking on, so we better do something and, of course, I, we fell almost straight away and um, it was such a shock and, and that changed everything in a way, you know, that just, of course, the pregnancy and being a geriatric, as I think I say in the book, referred to as a geriatric pregnancy at the age of 37. It's like, dear mind? <laughs> <laughs> like, really? But they still do, even today. That's what they call it, you know, turned me on to, to stand up for a while. I thought I'll give this a crack. What have I got to lose?
0: There's a really funny moment there, too, where you're on stage and you realize that being pregnant won't protect you from uh, beer cans being thrown at you <laughs> on stage.
1: Oh, no, no. If they don't know you're pregnant, they're still going to throw things at you. And then, of course, that the moment where I actually fell off stage. But, <laughs> you know, Clancy just hung on. Like it, it's that thing, you know, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Yeah, definitely. Definitely us having our daughter was a real turning point and just on a lot of levels, not on some. But then, of course, then we were able to sit down and go, well, now what can the universe bring us? Oh, yes, I'll get a soap. Paul can stay at home and be a house husband. Sounds good. Be careful what you wish for because that's what happened.
0: I suppose Clancy's really pleased to hear all of that. Yes. (laughs) Acting up is very open and honest, and I get the feeling you've given us everything. Could there ever have been any other way for Lynn McGranger?
1: Look, I don't think so. I I was really puzzled and, and alarmed and a bit shocked when I got the phone call from my manager saying I've had discussions with Echo Publishing and they would really like you to write a book. I was like, what? Why? What? i you know I, I i didn't even have the the questions to ask and um you know when we talked about it and and sort of thought about it and i realized they were going to pair me up with um the wonderful summerland not summer bay summerland who um is a writer in her own right and uh fabulous ghost writer who would help me find my voice and we started discussions via zoom and then all these stories came out and things that I had forgotten. And I had a little, you know, pad by the by the side of the bed. And I wake up in the, of the I've forgotten about that and write that down. Or I'd text her in the middle of the night and say, remind me to tell you about this or about that. And then eventually it all kind of unfolded. And she's so wonderful. She had that ability to just kind of you know a bit like a horse whisperer. I'm sure she'd be thrilled to hear me call it that. Um, but just kind of gradually eke out things that I had long buried through no other reason other than the fact that i at, you know, years old and <laughs> having, you know, smoked my fair share of dope in the past, um, the memory was just a bit, it was all just kind of. You know shut down in there and I, i've never had cause to kind of regurgitate it. but um yeah it I can, i've forgotten the question now i've just rambled on but <laughs> um no it couldn't be because as you can see i can talk under wet concrete so
0: <laughs> acting is a notoriously unreliable career it's full of ups and downs and not necessarily financially rewarding either What is the lure of the creative life? Would you still recommend acting as a career path?
1: Yes. If that's what you want to do, if that's your love, if that's what you feel that you can do and do successfully, and quite frankly, if you don't take yourself too seriously, because at the end of the day, you've got to be made of tough stuff because you are going to get some knockbacks. And it'll be because you're too old, you're too young, you're too blonde, you're too tall, you're too short, you're too fat, you're too thin, you know. There'll be a whole range of reasons where you think something is yours and then it goes. Um, So you've got to be made of tough stuff and you've got to love it and you've got to love making people love. And I think I talk about this in the book. I am a firm believer that you, particularly as a woman, you can't be afraid to be ugly. And all of those things, if, if you're prepared to be like that and to do that and to live your life a little bit on the edge and deal with the disappointments, then absolutely go for it. But if you want a solid career and, and you want superannuation and you want these amount of holidays and you want a nine-to-five job, absolutely go nowhere near it. A true artist, and there are people out there, and I'm I'm not being falsely modest, I'm certainly not one, I like to entertain, I'm I'm remotely funny, I've got a big personality and I got lucky, Um, all of those things. Um, But people who are are true artists, who are truly driven by the need to put on another skin and also that's where they find themselves because they're not comfortable being themselves and I am comfortable being myself. Um, I think if you're driven, then money and security is not a problem. I guess if you're like me too, and you just like to, like I really like to entertain people. I like, I like to see people laugh, and I like to make people laugh. And because of that, and because I, like I say, I got lucky. I got a great job with a, a great character, and she's been able to live a life on, on screen. Then, in a reasonably secure job for an actor for 29 years. Not many people can say that.
0: Lynn McGranger, it's been wonderful to talk to you and thank you for joining me on the Good Reading podcast.
1: Thank you very, very much, Greg. I really enjoyed it. All the best.
0: I've been talking to Lynn McGranger about her memoir, Acting Up, Me, Myself and Irene. It's published by Echo and is available at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs and thanks for listening. This Good Reading podcast was brought to you by Luxury Read. Why not spoil yourself or give the gift of a Luxury Read subscription today? Visit luxureread.com.au to find out how.